This is Charlotte Donlin, and you're listening to Hope for the Lonely. Learn more about my first book, The Great Belonging, and my other writing and work at charlottedonlin.com. We're going to get the conversation on loneliness started in this episode, because when we talk about it, as I mentioned earlier, I think loneliness loses some of its power. When we acknowledge it, when we admit that we sometimes struggle with it, it can seem to um, not have as much of a hold on us. Maybe you've experienced this too. Several responders to the anonymous online survey I created for this episode told me they sometimes talk about loneliness and they sometimes hear others talking about their loneliness. I'm encouraged by those answers and realize I'm not starting anything. I'm joining a larger conversation on loneliness that seems to already be happening. But I want to bring loneliness into the light even more so it's not just a hot subject for wellness articles that tell us loneliness is bad for our health. And I want to explore how it intersects with our faith and our ability to have hope. There are many ways to enter a conversation on loneliness. For me, I think it's appropriate to start with a story. Several years ago, when I was a young mom of a toddler and pregnant with my second child, a woman from my church invited me to her home for tea. I didn't know her very well. She was older than me and seemed kind and thoughtful, so I was happy to accept her invitation. One morning, while my daughter was out at Mother's Day Out, I drove to this woman's home and walked up the steps leading to her front door, and I was weeping within 10 minutes of entering her living room. I don't remember the precise words that prompted my tears, but I know we talked about my sense of community at our church, how I was experiencing motherhood, and why it was hard for me to be honest about how difficult motherhood was for me. I loved being a mom, I loved my daughter, but I felt very isolated from other adults and primarily from other women with whom I could have vulnerable conversations. Okay, side note. The other day, I read about how the word whom is disappearing from the English language, so I'm proud of myself for using it and doing my part to protect it from extinction. Okay, back to my loneliness. So when I was a young mom and I was sitting on that sofa in this stranger's living room, it seemed like my friends, who are also moms, were having a much easier time with the role. That made me feel even lonelier. I figured there must be something wrong with me. Maybe God made a mistake in making me a mom. And that's not in line with my theology at all. But that's what was going through my mind at the time. So I wept with this stranger. I wept and wept and sipped my tea and eventually gathered myself enough to have a brief conversation with her and then leave and go home. My lonely heart was cracked open that day. The fragile shell broke apart and everything tumbled out. One beautiful result of this woman's hospitality almost 15 years ago is that we became friends and we are still friends today. Being with her helps me feel not so lonely. Knowing her helps me be more of who I was designed to be, a beloved child of God who is in community with my creator and his people. She's easy for me to be friends with because she's one of my kindreds. We have the same, well, not the same, but we have a similar outlook on life and faith and doubt. We have similar views on the world and politics. It's easy to talk to her about anything, and our friendship feels balanced and mutual even though she's my mom's age. I only have a few kindreds in my life, and I'm thankful she's one of them. This story has a happy ending, but I still struggle with loneliness today. 
I experience different flavors of loneliness at different times, and I never know which one might emerge. One question I asked on the online survey for this episode is, when do you feel the loneliness? When do you feel the loneliest? Here are some of the responses I received. When I'm afraid of failure or don't feel like I have a secure place in a group of people. When I'm doing something that defines my edges, stating a controversial opinion, expressing an unpopular thought, doing anything that is not conventional, which I do often. After eating a lot or seeing others experience friendship that, and love that I feel I cannot attain. When I think this is a permanent condition and I will never again have some kind of being known and belonging that I had in the past. Tiredness, hunger, and inactivity all exasperate it. And I'll share one more. This responder said, When I'm vulnerable and when I don't get any feedback. I'm a writer and I think I can, that can be the hardest part about writing. When maybe your message resonates but no one says anything and so you feel like a dork for putting it out there. I also feel lonely when my hope for change is gone. If I am in a trying circumstance and hope feels lost, I will feel lonely. Can you identify with any of those answers? I certainly can. Loneliness is complex, and as I've said before, it doesn't fit into a box very easily. I think the worst thing we can do is get to a point where we think we have loneliness figured out. I think one of the best things we can do is talk about it. We might discover we aren't very alone in our loneliness. So how are Christians supposed to view loneliness? I believe loneliness is a form of suffering. So one thing we can do is grieve our loneliness. We can be sad about it and lament over it. We can recognize that we were created to be in community with God and other people. And we were created before the fall to not feel loneliness. One way I grieve and express sorrow is reading Psalms of Lament. Here's one. This is Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. I like to respond to Psalms sometimes by writing responsive echoes. Um, And here's one I wrote for Psalm 13. I am forgotten. I am alone. I wrestle with my worries and the lies that plague me. I am unable to pin them down, unable to claim victory over them. Sorrow swells within me like a sea of gray grief. My worries and the lies win as I weaken. I long for God to come near and save me. I long for God to give me the light of truth and defeat the worries and the lies. But my mustard seed of faith, through God's generous grace, I trust in His unfailing love. I also have a mustard seed of joy when I remember my salvation, when I remember the light of the gospel that saves. When I remember my soul forms a song, a whisper of a song, I sing, I whisper, 
He has been good. He has been good to me. Let me know if you write your own responsive echo to Psalm 13. I'd love to read it. This psalm also gives us reasons to have hope. We can have hope in knowing that God's love is unfailing. We can have hope in knowing that we have received salvation from the Lord. We can hope in knowing that God has been good to us in the past and he will be good to us in the future. We can also hope in knowing that he's most likely good to us now too, but we may not have the eyes to see it right now. I don't want to super spiritualize loneliness, but if we are Christians, then every realm of our lives is under the reign of Christ. We can always hope in the gospel of grace in knowing that we have everything we need as children of God because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Thanks for listening to Hope for the Lonely. Learn more about my writing and work at charlottedonlin.com.